Hey, this is Mark. And this is Jay. We just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of NerdCage Live. And be sure to tune in to our live show on YouTube every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Hello and welcome. That's right. You're trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight. Please hit that like button and subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jay St. G, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York. Certified geek, seven days a week. And always with me, the warrior for Wakanda. The Fiend from Louisville, my man, Mark Withers, introduce this warrior making his debut in the cage tonight. What's going on, everybody? Super excited to be here. And yes, tonight's guest is one half of Authentic and the Beard. Very popular, very fantastic YouTube uh, channel that you all need to check out. In addition, he's an accomplished rapper. He's got a new album out called The Color of Us. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But first... Please put your hands together for Authentic. How are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, hey, I'm doing good, man. That introduction was straight fire, man. That was my first time ever hearing y'all intro, too, man. I appreciate y'all having me on <laughs> tonight, you. man. That's, that's, that's <laughs> Thank you for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, no doubt. No problem, man. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. That's love. Yeah, no, really, really excited. By the way, this was like over almost a year in the making. We... I've been obviously being, you know, a huge Giants fan, of course. Authentic in the Beard is a fantastic channel that, like, covers the NFC East. But if you want to make money and you're into fantasy football, you got to check out Authentic in the Beard. So, <laughs> for, so, um, so yeah, we were kind of talking for a while because I think we met on Entertainer's channel. And then you say, yo, we got to get together and chop it up. I'm like, yes. But obviously with football going on during, at the time, we just couldn't find the day and time to do so. We finally locked you down. I'm so happy that you're here. So, for starters, authentic. Why don't you just give a little background on your, you know, your colorful music career and as well as your um, your YouTube channels. Oh, definitely, yo. So, um, I'm an artist and a producer of, from Washington D.C. Diehard Giants fan. I've never been a fan of the Skins. Um, I don't know if y'all familiar with the Big L line where he said, uh, "I'm from New York and never was a fan of the Knicks." I'm kind of the same vibe. Um, I've produced for for plenty of artists out here, man. Most recently, um, I did something with J. Cole just about two years ago that actually ended up on the album. I tracked his verse on uh, Let Go My Hand. Um, did some touring with uh, Raekwon and Ghostface for the 20th anniversary of uh, Cuban Link. What? Um, yeah, yeah, man. Um, I've, I've done a bunch of gigging. Kind of took a little bit of break from music for about a couple years there. And um, this album that I got out right now, The Color of Us, that's me coming back after two years. Um self-produced all but uh two tracks on the album all recorded uh in-house in my studio here in washington dc and um i've been running a studio for about six years it's called all or nothing studios which kind of was um like the alley-oop i'd say for for me and my homie the beard to start our our sports channel uh covering the nfc east division called authentic and the beard um i had had all the equipment all the gear in the basement and he came to me with the idea and um, we cooked that up. So going into this 2021 season, this will be our third season of uh, doing Authentic in the Beard. Um, really, really like our second season. Our first season was just kind of getting our feet wet and just kind of messing things up. Um, last year, we kind of gained some traction and whatnot. Um, and uh, definitely shout out to guys of the likes of like Entertainer, Talking Sports, my man Bad Dog, Cop Pizzle, a few others out there, The Hub, who've, who've definitely featured me on their channel a hundred thousand times, man. And 
all the people who are uh, from Giants Nation have just showed big love, man. So, yeah, that's that's like a brief background of what I've done in like the past, I'd say, a good 10 years, man. Um, I've, I've been into production and, and emceeing for about a good 15 years now and taking it seriously for about 10. Man, that's that's huge, man. I want to I want to jump right in and talk about this new album of yours, uh, The Color of Us. Let's talk about the title, first of all. Like, how did you come up with that? Like, what is is there a meaning behind it? Yeah, there's definitely meaning behind that. Um, so like I said, I'm here in Washington, D.C. And um, during the pandemic, uh, that first summer, uh, a lot of protests were happening, a lot of um, support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, also a lot of uh, Trump supporters as well coming out here to protest and a lot of people coming into our city and protesting. And um, I'd say like the drama that was happening during that time, I would go out there. With, I'm also a cinematographer, by the way, too. So I like right. to just like document my life and I would go out to the protest. I went to about 15 or 16 protests and just shot some video clips and shot some photos and stuff. And um, the drama kind of is what had me come up with that title. Um, you know, because I just look at it like, you know, we are all just like one human race. It should be very easy for us right. to all get along and be able to fight for humanity and fight for equality. So, you know, I looked at it like, you know, there there's not there shouldn't be any color boundaries. You know, we should all be one human race. And um, yeah, when I was even cooking up the merch for this, I'm wearing one of the sweaters from the album on the, on the side of it. I put one race because I think that's, that's very important for us to be able to mob as one unit and um you know i I'm, i come from a hip-hop cloth of you know og golden era hip-hop where hip-hop was one unit and um you know off air we were kind of talking a little bit about wu-tang and stuff like that and you know you go to a wu-tang show you got every ethnicity in the building yes. we're all represented but we all in there representing the wu man and and i think that that's important for people in um you know other lanes and other industries to to take something from hip-hop to be able to learn that you know that like when we go to a show, nobody's thinking like, hey, this dude's from, you know, El Salvador and this dude's a white guy from America and he's a black guy from Washington, D.C., whatever. It, none of that matters. So when I was cooking up this project, which every project I've ever put out has been like that, um, I try to I try to like make these titles have a lot of meaning. And um, just like we were talking off air when I was telling you, I really like movies that like really are like a mind twist. And, you know, where the stories have a lot of depth to them, I try to have the titles of not only the albums, but the titles of the tracks have deep, you know, just have a lot of depth behind them as far as the meaning goes. And um, that that was the spark for The Color of Us. Two years ago, I had recorded probably the first song for it. Didn't record anything for like a whole year, pretty much. And then I just felt the pressure of like, yo, it's time to get an album out. The pandemic gave me the time that I needed right. to do it. And um, yeah, once I had the title and I like to have themes with, you know, albums, I had the theme for it. I was like, let's go. And, and a lot of people have asked that question. They've been like, yeah, well, what does that mean? You know, they think they're going to get like maybe some like revolutionary kind of album. But, right. um, you know, it's more about just like vibes, you know, just like feel good vibes. You know, like the single I released is called See You Win, where, right. you know, like a lot of hip hop stuff. I wouldn't even call that hip hop was was out today. A lot of it's not hip hop. It's just rap music. But, you know, it's it's a lot of of uh, I would say like demeaning of the culture, you know, it's um, I got this and you're not gonna get this, or it's um, right. I'm gonna take your shorty from you, or all that. And I felt like hip hop just needed um, you know, something that people could attach to that was just like, you know, man, like yo, I just want to see you win. I tell my friends that all the time, bro. I'm like, yo, whatever I could do to help you out, it don't gotta be no cash involved or nothing. Like, just just let's find a way to see you win, bro. Yeah, yeah, and I was gonna ask you about that because I I, I watched your video by the way, which is which is amazing. Uh, you were telling me off camera that you actually like directed that. You have a cinematography background and all that. Um, 
but yeah, I really love the the positivity behind that message. Is the whole album like that? Like, you know, more positive than than negative? Um, you know, it, it it's a good balance of everything, I would say, because um my writing comes from my life. So, you know, I, I do have tracks like See You Win, but I also got tracks called um, you know, something like one is called All or Nothing, where it's just about like not getting the direction from your OGs the proper way. You know, like a lot of young people need mentorship, especially in the hood. Like I'm right here in Northeast D.C., right on North Capitol. Like the Capitol's right up the block from me. Um, right. And it's a lot of youth out here that's misguided. And a lot of that misguidedness comes from, you know, people that are older than them who have failed and they don't know how to get in the right direction. So um, that's one that kind of has a not a negative connotation on it, but like, you know, it's it's a little bit more gritty. I got a track call here and gone that's just like. You know, just the fact about how people just live and how quickly people die and, and whether it be from illnesses or whether it be from, um, you know, gun violence or whatever it might be. Um, Nipsey Hussle, I shouted him out in that song who I actually got here wow. in the back of my studio. And I got Pac and I got Biggie in here and I got Bob Marley, all artists who have died premature. Um, yeah. So I, I just try to touch on relative subjects and, and things that people aren't touching on because... Rap music right now, I just feel it's a little bit saturated with the same kind of thing. It's like get money, you know, a lot of people selling dope, whatever it may be. Um, and and I've always felt like that. You know, I'm I'm inspired by cats like from the Raucous Records era, uh, cats like LP, you know, cats like uh Killer Mike, you know, that, that really got content yeah. behind what they do. And I'm just an embodiment of that, you know. So when I get in the studio, I'm just trying to please myself and um I feel like there's listeners out there who, you know, they're kinda looking for the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of listeners out there, who do we have in the chat tonight, Jay? Hey, we got Paul Tackett is here. Scott Bannock is here. Fall One Gaming, our moderator. Thank you very much for all you do, Joe. Betty Rage, Zilla Punk Productions are all here tonight. And thank you very much. And we got a question. Uh, Paul Tackett says, uh, well, not a question, but a uh, comment here. He says, check out uh, Mary Benari. She's a hip-hop violinist. Okay. I'll yeah, I'm, I'm big okay. I'm big familiar with her, too. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Kanye, Kanye brought her out like maybe a decade ago, um, maybe on his like second or third album when he was doing a lot of the live performances for that, um, he brought her out to, to do some uh, some covers of some of his songs. And she's super, I mean, and she's beautiful woman, beautiful yeah. woman. Awesome, I'll have to check that out. Now, actually, here's one of my questions I wanted to ask you. Um, since I know you're, uh, you know, in, into hip-hop, who were some of your, like, hip-hop artists and groups? I know you mentioned earlier, you know, Biggie, Tupac, and Maru, but yeah. who was it that you listened to growing up that made you decide, I want to do that, too? Like, who were your, like, info direct influences? Okay, so um, so my older brother's five years older than me. Um, So I was born in 1983, so I got to see the Golden Era as a kid, but also my bro was hitting me up to a lot of stuff. So I would say, like, in the beginning... A lot of it was like Nas, Jay-Z, N.W.A., Tribe Called Quest, Cool G Rap, uh, Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, um, you know, uh, KRS-One. Yeah. You know, and th th that was a time when, like, I didn't really quite have my own palette for hip-hop. And I'll tell you the album that really changed it for me. Um, when I got into high school, I remember Juvenile came out with an album. At the same time, Most Def came out with Black on Both Sides. Yes. And Black on Both Sides is the album that changed it all for me. It's the album that made me want to start writing. Um, and, and just the production behind that album was just prolific to me. And then when Kwali followed that up with the Reflection Eternal album with High Tech, like, that's probably my favorite time in hip-hop. And, um, you know, that's why I mentioned Raucous Records earlier, too, because I was very influenced by what Raucous Records was doing at the time. And me and my homies started rhyming, and I would say, like, in my 20s, 
I um I got more inspired by Jay Dilla. Um, I'm, I'm a graduate of a recording engineering school out here called Omega. And when I would commute there, that was what I was listening to most. Uh, most was Jay Dilla beat tapes, a lot of Slum Village, um, and then was fortunate enough to actually get involved with the Jay Dilla Foundation and um, do a, a, a slew of shows and tours with them with Common and Badu, uh, wow. Bilal, oh, awesome. um, a bunch of people, Slum Village, with them as well when RJ took over, uh, Black Milk, Elzai. So I was super influenced by the Detroit hip hop scene, you know, um, Guilty Simpson, uh, just who else was out there cooking up stuff? I mean, just so many people, Frank and Dank. So I, I was into that super underground, like Dilla stuff for a long time. Um, and then um, outside of that, you know, just cats like Alchemist, Havoc, Pete Rock, um, Man, the, the the list can go on forever, for real, man. Like DJ Premier, Gangstar is one of my favorite groups. Guru's definitely somebody who influenced me to start writing as well. Um, and cats that just allow you to, you know, you, you could hear in their style that they were just more free. They they didn't have like a cookie cutter template for what they did. You know, they they were like out the box. Cats like Buster Rhymes, right. um, Mark you know, just Buster like Rhymes. yo, yeah, Bust is one of my favorite just, MCs. Yeah, yeah Bust is one of the best MCs out there, man. Um, very versatile and just like you know what I what I loved about him was that he had on every one of his albums he had a Dilla beat and I didn't know that till I got older I, I just thought that was so dope and the story of Jay Dilla like for those that don't know the, the biggest part of it that inspired me was uh when Jay Dilla was dying he died from lupus in like 2006 and when he was dying he was in the hospital for like a long time his last shows he was he they would push him out on a wheelchair and the fact that he was like Whatever went on in his life, he was still inspired by hip-hop. Donuts was made literally on his deathbed in the hospital, you know, and it, it almost just sounds like these little rough ideas and these little rough sketches. And I just thought that was so fire, like, you know, just that story behind that. It just inspired me to be like, you know, like, don't let nothing get in the way of what you're trying to do. Like, if you want to make music, make music. If you want to direct films, go direct films. You want to be in graphics, like, you know, I, I come from an era where, like, if you rapped, you were supposed to just rap. And yeah. I'm the kind of guy that's like, I'm a DIY guy, you know. I've um, I've never walked into a studio and paid for studio time. I never, I, I can't even remember asking people to truly help me out. Like I'll just be like, I'm gonna figure it out. And the beard is is who really got me into hip hop. The beard used to rap really? back in the day. Wow, and, okay, yeah, he used to rap, and he, yeah, he used to rap back in the day. And he'll, you know, every now and again, he'll just bust a freestyle and get crazy with it. I'm just like, bro, I need to stay <laughs> sharp, man. You kind of you kept that in the cut. And now, now but, you guys um, are talking you know, sports on YouTube. <laughs> right, right. And now we talking sports, you know. But um, I'm, I can remember this one time where, like, he invited me over. And my bro used to kind of mess around with rap a little bit. So I knew how to freestyle and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he's like, yo, I'm recording some stuff in my, in my, in my room and whatnot, you know. And I go over there. And this back in the day, this before digital recording, and I, this is why I think we're so blessed, people that came from my era, because we got to see the internet and we got to see it without the internet. We, we yeah. got to see life without computers and we got to see it with right. computers. So we would have like the, the, the stacked up entertainment system radio, you know, they had the two speakers, you had the receiver, the equalizer, the tape deck, the record player, all stacked up. So we would, we would find instrumentals from uh, Tower Records on tape. We'd play mm -hmm. them in the background on that. And then he had this little recorder that like, probably your, your auntie or your mama would have. It was just like a little small recorder. And it just had, you could just put a tape deck in there and it would record a voice memo in the room. 
and it only worked upside down. So I get there and he's like, yo, we got to lay down on the ground, bro. And like ladies versus down. And th that's how it all started, man. And then it's just like, it snowballed effect into me, you know, getting involved in uh, recording on a computer after that and then getting involved in engineering. And then I was like, you know, I was working with a manager at the time. His name was Union. And he, um, he was managing Dub B, who was the producer for Joe Button. And he was, he was like, he heard me freestyle on something. He was just mad interested in what I was doing. He was like, I'm going to come down to Maryland and come manage you and whatnot. I was living in Maryland at wow. the time. And um, he would come down a lot. And I told him, I said, man, I want to go to school for this. He was like, bro, like, that's a bad idea. But I could, I had the, the, the like foresight to see that like everything was about to go digital. You know, I can remember he had this big ass shoulder camera he was trying to film stuff with. I was just like, that's not going to be the vibe in five to 10 years. So I went to school for it. And even with um, the CUN video, like not only did I direct it, I shot all the performance scenes that I'm in, I shot them myself. Wow. And then I took them back into Premiere and I automated the camera movement. So I just filmed it from like about a step further back than I wanted the perspective to be. And then mm -hmm. I brought it into Premiere, zoomed it in a yep. little bit and just did like camera motion to make it look like somebody was behind the camera. And, um, you know, I took the, the B-roll that you're seeing from the video is from my last trip in California when I was out there with my shorty, which was probably from like 2017 for real. Um, and we, we did like a little uh, hike and whatnot. And I just took the B-roll footage I had from out there. The colors looked the same. I matched it with the performance scene. And we ended that trip by going to see um, the Cannabis Cup Festival. One of my homies was a, a vendor at the joint. Mm -hmm. So we ended up going there. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was going to be the last time that I was going to see DMX. And DMX wow, performed. Man. So at the end of the video, there's a short little clip that's like that, you know, and I, I have these little uh, these little blurps on the screen with like text that are saying, yeah, like, I noticed that that was, that was a nice touch, you know? by the way. Yeah, because yeah, I, I wanted to feel like, you know, I'm your homie and I'm just showing you the video. Like, yeah. I just think like rap music is just like it's losing its way a little bit. You know, it's like everything is so glorified. Like, you know, we got to have the baddest joints in the video and everybody's like counting hella money. Like, not nah, like. I'm just a regular dude. There's no stunt here. And you hear it in the music, you see it in the visuals. And 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 today y'all see it in the interview. It's just what it is. And um, I just try to keep everything DIY. And, and that led me to working at a studio. And then after that, I ended up building my own studio. I had a homie who was like, bro, you need to lead our studio. And um, I built my own studio in the crib, in the lower level of my crib. And man, I haven't looked back since. It's been like six years of doing that now. Very nice. Wow. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, we got a couple more people here in the chat. Uh, Ian Lewis is here. Thank you very much. He's a strong supporter. And PTA Sports is here. Giants Nation, thank you for coming yes, in sir. and showing your support. PTA, I love your channel. And my God, that dude makes me laugh, especially when he's on Fisk's channel. Oh, my God. PTA just goes off on people. Yeah, Pestilence <laughs> is the homie, man. Shout out yes, to homie Pestilence. And he's got bars too, bro. Like, he posted something on Twitter, man. He was doing some double-time rapping. I had no idea, bro. My man definitely got bars, so salute the pest, man. Y'all go sub up. Yeah, sub him up. Like I said, fantastic uh, content creator. Like I said, especially if you're a Giants fan. Even if you're not a Giants fan, sub him up because he's just – he's a good dude. He's a hard worker. I appreciate that. Um, so real quick, uh, since you just – you delved into it just a little bit, and I got it actually on a picture on the screen for everybody to see. So we recently lost DMX. That was – well, I'll just say this. The the last 10 years weren't too kind to him uh, before yeah. he went. Um, but that's not taken away from his fantastic legacy. I mean, from like 1998 to 2002, he was probably like the biggest artist in the world. He broke the hip-hop record for most consecutive number one records. And he was in movies with Jet Li. Not one, right. but like two of them. So, please, Authentic, if you, I want you here. 
any memories of DMX and how was he as a black performer? I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, um, you know, for one, man, the, the, the last performance that I got to see him at the Cannabis Cup, you could see, one, that he was an older man for sure, and he was accepting that, and I thought that was so dope. He was on a bill with a bunch of younger cats. I remember, um, what's the dude's name that got the TV show on uh, FX? Um, Lil Dicky. Okay. He was on the bill with him. Um, who I think, you know, I had, I, I kind of had no respect for Lil Dicky until I saw him on that bill. I was like, wow, right. this dude can rap. Uh, T.I. was on the bill. They had a few others. And, and another OG group on the bill was, they had Parliament on there, like some version of it, which was really cool oh, too. Wow. But, awesome. you know, X I climbed the speaker, you know, he like literally climbed up the speaker, like a story up. Damn near fell off, man. The speaker's wobbling all crazy. Got up there. And performed from up there like a young dude, man. And it, it, it took me back to when, like, I was first hearing about X because mm -hmm. it's crazy. Like, I was engulfed in hip-hop a lot more back in the day, right? Um, now I'm more focused on what I do, and I'm a very busy man. And, and people are always like, yo, you make music. You probably listen to a lot of music still, and I don't. But um, back then, I remember when X came out. It was, like, 1998, the summer before. Yep. I re we had a—there um, was a series called Survival of the Illest that— Death Squad had put out, which had like Mob Deep on it. It had cannabis on it. And that was right when cannabis dropped second round knockouts. So I always like correlate cannabis and DMX kind of in the same light because I, I got put onto them at the same time. And, um, you know, DMX, man, just one of the greatest performers, you know, one of the only people, I think the only hip hop artist to ever have two albums go platinum in the same year. Yeah. You know, it, he kind of had the work ethic of a Tupac, but he had the lyrical skill of like... <laughs> whoever got the sharpest sword i mean the dude was ridiculous and one memory that i have of him that's that's um engraved in my mind is the battle with jay-z and if you if you check out the um the film backstage that the jay-z put out years ago it was one of jay-z's first documentaries somewhere in the 2000s early 2000s i think they show you some clips from that battle and everybody say dmx took the battle you know it was wow. hands down dmx took the battle so you know coming out of yonkers x was the guy. He, yep. he was the best rapper in the game at the time. And you're talking about a time when, like, R&B was kind of taking over a little bit. And, and X bands. came out with the rawest style ever. Yeah. I mean, he literally had... He literally had American kids just saying, what these want from a ninja. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> And this was, like, a number one record. And, yo, me and my homies was clowning this the other day. If you go back and you listen to the... um the Cisco ad-libs on that record he had with DMX. Like, Cisco mm -hmm. felt like he had to keep up. He's screaming, he's yelling. He's like, he's trying to get the dog in him like X had, man. So, like, DMX, man, legendary. He he might be the next guy that I put a, a poster up in my studio because I, I like putting up uh, people that, you know, we've lost that are legends in my yeah. studio. Um, You know, and I, like I said, I got Bob Marley, Jay Dilla, Nipsey Hussle, uh, Tupac Biggie, you know, on the walls here. I, I was thinking about getting Kobe next because everybody need a little Absolutely. mama mentality in them. And, um, you know, I also recommended everybody go check out two pieces of content um, from Noriega and um, his squad, the Drink Champs. They had DMX on Drink Champs right before he passed. And Noriega talks about how he hung out with him that whole week and whatnot. And there's just some hilarious stories. And the Swiss Beats and uh, Timberland were actually on there as the last episode. Um, and you get to you get to get some insight from Swiss Beats perspective on creating the new album that um, DMX just finished and, and just put out uh, Exodus, which everybody should go download just to go support DMX's family. Um, right. He talks about how the royalties were split and all that stuff and like just a new way 
of doing contracts with artists and just he, he just said X was just mad happy man and watching that interview man I, I just I smiled I teared it just took me through a bunch of emotional uh, roller coasters man it was awesome to see and um yeah man rest in peace DMX he was he was a great artist and I'm sure he was a great human being that was probably just misunderstood by a lot of people yeah absolutely well said Oh, by the way, uh, Michael B's in the chat. He says he's just putting up the W. He says when he say woo, you say tang. <laughs> hey, that's hey, facts. That's yep. facts. He says, Let's go Giants as well. Um, speaking of Giants, real quick, um, we lost Jim Fossil a few days ago, man. Oh man, that yeah, that, that that hurt a lot because like I, okay, so I'm not that much younger than you. I was born in '86, but yeah, I've, I've been a Giants fan my whole life because my um. You know, my, my great-grandfather w- was from Schenectady, New York. He was a season ticket holder for the New York Yankees, and he was also a Giants fan. And then all my uncles were Giants fans. So when I was two years old, my uncle got me a Giants shirt. I still have that picture of me, a two-year-old Jay with a Giants shirt. But hey. I really didn't, like, understand the concept of football until I got a little older. So just as, like, you know, Jim Fossil was coming in, that's when I was really, really following the Giants. And lo and behold, he comes in. His first season, we go to the playoffs. This, this next season in 98, even though we didn't do as good, but, like, we knocked off the undefeated Denver Broncos in the middle of the season when LA went on to win the Super Bowl. And, of course, Michael Strahan was my favorite. He's my favorite giant growing up, was Michael Strahan. Yeah. I worship Michael Strahan because he was one of those guys that, like, even when the Giants were bad, listen, do you remember between, like, Bill Parcells and Fossil, the Giants were, like, booty sauce. They were terrible. But Michael Strahan always delivered. Like, he always brought in the sacks and whatnot. So, but Michael Strahan really took off when Jim Fossil came in. And on top of that, we all knew as Giants fans that that Michael Strahan was going to, like, he was going to go places outside of football. And look at him now. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I had fond memories because Jim Fossil was coming into the Giants just as when I started understanding football at the most. And like I said, growing up, I worshipped Strahan, uh, Seahorn. Ike Hilliard, and of course that 2000 team that went to the Super Bowl, and of course losing to the Ravens, which was the most embarrassing time of my life going into school the next day, losing to the Ravens. But yeah, it just it really hurt to see because Fossil did well here in New York, and he was well liked, and he even coached Arena League out in Las Vegas, and the players said nothing but good things about him. Just unfortunately, his ways weren't working anymore. We let him go. Um, so yeah, I just want to know. Uh, your feelings on uh, Jim Fossil and any fond memories of him? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, that's probably the time where I really started getting more serious about how I watched football. Um, like my Giants memories start around like '87, and they go into the '90s. But then, as I started to become a teenager and Wu Tang started to come out, I started watching less football <laughs> and uh, <laughs> listening to more hip hop. But you're right. Like Fossil's team is is those are the teams that really brought me back into football. And um, I don't want to butcher the speech he said, but I heard Kyle Pizzle talking about this earlier too, man. He he had a dope speech where he was just like, yo, like we all in. You either in and you with us or you out. It's not a big deal. You you could see the door, you know? And I, I think people could take that kind of advice and apply that to life. I think that's major. Um, And, and kind of a little correlation back to what I was saying about the Noriega podcast a little bit. You know, they're saying their motto on that show is, you know, we want to give people their flowers while they're here. And I think Jim Fossil is a good example of that, of like, people kind of forgetting about you a little bit. You know what I mean? And then it takes for your death to come untimely like that for everybody to wake up, you know? 
But I, it's very important that we give people their flowers. He was a great coach, man. And I think he's a he's a big part of that transition that happened and why we ended up getting those Super Bowls later on in 06 and later on down the line. And um, it's unfortunate that guys like Tiki Barber weren't there to see that, you know, because he, he was a part of those earlier teams. And, um, you know, Michael Strahan, he, he got to get his. You know, I thought that was amazing, so but Amani definitely Toomer. rest Amani in peace, Toomer, Fossil. Amani Toomer is one of those guys that lost in 2000 and got the redemption in 2007. So Yeah, and, and that 2000 team, man, we, um, we had beat the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings yes. in a championship game, and we handed it to them. We handed it to them. 44 to nothing. I, How could I forget? And the funny thing is, is, like, that Vikings team was scary. That was Dante Culpepper yep. and, then, and then Chris Carter and, of course, um, Oh my God! I'm stumped. Uh, oh my God! Uh, um, Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Yes. Yeah. Like that was the scariest team on paper at that time, and like we just pounded their faces in, and then and then Baltimore did the same to us. <laughs> yeah, and then we got blown out. Yeah, and I, and you know I also remember um Jason Seahorn's another uh, vivid memory him. from that squad too, man. And I remember when they when they put him back to return punts, I was like. This ain't a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and now, anytime we take, anytime we take a superstar and we put him back in punt, I'm like, I know. let's not do this Seahorn vibe again. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Forever engraved in my mind. So I got another question yeah. for you, and we'll trans, we'll get out of, the, you know, we'll transition to something else because I want to alienate our non-sports people. But um, yeah, how is it? I've been dying to ask you this question, man. You live in Washington. Yeah. How are you still alive being a Giants fan in D.C.? Because they <laughs> hate us. Not to mention, I'm from Syracuse. We had the Georgetown-Syracuse rivalry, too. Like, they don't like New Yorkers down there, man. So how are you, you know, a Giants fan in, you know, enemy territory? Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm, I'm so seasoned out here that, you know, I, I think it's a respect factor. Um. But also, I, I think the Washington fans might get a bad rap because a lot of them that I know, their beef is with the Cowboys for the most part. Yeah. It's not really with us as heavy. Um, I'd say Philly is probably second and then the Giants are third. But also, yeah. as of late, with the name change and all that, I think that like a lot of um, Washington fans have lost hope in football because, one, they haven't been winning a lot as of lately. But also, when you go in and you change the name of the team, which I felt it had to be done, Mm -hmm. But you could see the lack of support for the team this past year, and they're, they're going to go into next year with the same thing. They're not picking a name quite yet until the season's over, I heard. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're, you're losing a lot of support like that as well. So now I make it a point to go to every uh, Giants game out here, every home game that's for the Washington football team out here. And when you go out there, man, it's blue all over. I mean, we've we taken over the stadium, and the last couple of times wow. we've been there and played them, I mean, we've, we've handled them. I can remember Eli went in there in the rain and just completely demolished them. And don't forget about this Eli team when Saquon Barkley was there. We went up like 35 nothing at the half. It was the Mark Sanchez um, Washington football team. And then they had uh, Josh Johnson come in the second half who, who gave him a little bit of a spark. But we handled them. And then I can also remember Larry Donnell coming into FedEx Field and straight yep. dominating, had three or four touchdowns in the game. Um, so they, they really can't say too much. Um, I, I think if they had been handling us in those games, then they might have a little bit of smoke for me. But, yeah, for the, for the most part, it's been pretty chill out here, man. And um, I'm very D.C.-rooted. I'm very deep into the community. So it's like I guess I kind of get the pass as a Giants fan. And we got the two Super Bowls so quickly within that quick little span of five to six years. It's like y'all can't say nothing to us no more. You could talk all you want. We took care of the GOAT twice. I could use it in an argument every time. And Washington football team fans really don't got nothing in the bag, no real players to really stand on, to be honest. 
Okay, well, very well said. Cause <laughs> I, uh, I went. I remember, like, I went. Mark, Mark, you'll, 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 you'll appreciate this, Mark. So the first time I ever saw the band Corn was in Philadelphia, and I went to a Corn concert in Philadelphia, and I wore a Jeremy Shockey jersey. And there were dudes like in the mosh pit grabbing me, trying to hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, let's just yeah, say that uh, that New Yorkers are not welcomed in Philadelphia. So, yeah, that's so real. it's nice to hear that Washington's a little friendlier than the city of brotherly love. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make my first appearance out there uh, to the Eagles Stadium this year. I'm gonna definitely be out there. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna get the first-hand experience. Very nice. Um, so actually, I, I so I had a question for you here because uh, we we talked a little bit of Wu Chang earlier on. Uh, by the way, Mark and I were huge Wu Tang fans. Uh, by the way, yeah. anyway, we mentioned off air, but I'll mention again. Our most watched Nerd Cage clip is us talking about Wu Tang American Saga on Hulu. Season two drops in the fall. We cannot wait. But you mentioned you toured with Raycon and Ghostface. Yeah, when they Who's, when they came through. How did you? How did that come to be? And tell if you have any awesome stories about the two of them, I would love to hear it. Yeah, um, so at the time, I was working with a booking agent in Baltimore, um, and he was booking me small gigs, and then he told me, I was living in Silver Spring, Maryland at the time, I've been living in, which is right outside of D.C., but I've been living in D.C. now for about six years, but um, at the time, I was in Silver Spring, and they opened up a new Fillmore venue in Silver Spring, so my booking agent hit me up, and he said, do you got to draw out there? I was like, definitely, so we, we started off by doing a couple of shows out there, I was also featured in a battle out there um, where it was hosted, it was... It was by uh, the G4 Network, and it was sponsored by Red Bull. It's called the Red Bull MC. It had um, Bumpy, Devin the Dude, Joe Button, and Big Crit as the judges. I ended up coming in like third or fourth place in that one. Um, and so I, I kind of had a little buzz going around the Fillmore. So when they came through to do their, their tour for the uh, 20th anniversary, I got to hop on the two dates with them, um, and we, we did the Fillmore. And I actually had a homie who I hadn't talked to in years, who he was like, I guess he was kind of like a roadie with Ghostface. And he's like, bro, you want a picture? So I ended up getting a picture with Ghostface. I got to chop it up with him and talk. Cause a lot of times when you do open an act, you really don't get to like, get a lot of interaction with these artists. But um, both of them seem like very down to earth cats, which is super rare, man, in hip hop. I won't lie. Like the saying, like, you don't want to meet your idols is, is usually, you know, spot on. Um, yeah. But for Ghost and for, for Raekwon, I can say like, undoubtedly like these dudes are just like humble dudes about their business killed the set that night and and all the woo fans you know how it is when you at a show it's like the opener it's like man can we get to woo yeah like, right. the fans oh definitely like yes, showed me a so lot of love true. bro and it, it was cool man it was a really good experience and it was kind of full circle for me because the first gig i had ever done with somebody who of who was of notoriety was inspector deck my cousin had a plug wow. with deck and we ended up bringing them to this spot called Cusco. Only only OGs around my hood know this one. And um, it was like about a three, 400 person venue. And me and my homies opened up, did our set, and then a fight broke out after the set and Deck didn't even get to go on. So we ended up going back to like this little bar we used to perform at and we just got like completely wasted, yo. And like me and Deck were just like freestyling all night with a couple other homies, man. So like, my experiences with the woo has been like really dope, man. Um, and, and being somebody who like, I can remember being like 10 years old 
when um what was the double disc uh Wu Tang Forever when Robert, that yes. came out? Yeah. Exactly. Like yep. listening to it with my little youngins, with my homies, and then to be able to like see that come to fruition where like I'm actually on a stage with these cats was was just super fire, man. So like respect to cats like that, man, to just like um they they understand to come up and they're not like shunning away the new artists, man. They they really show right. me a lot of love. Oh, that great story, man. I um so I've seen, if I have any complaint about Wu-Tang, <laughs> and then you can back <laughs> me up on this, is is they, and I've seen Wu-Tang five times. I saw Raekwon once in Ithaca, New York, because um, he was promoting uh, Cuban Links Part 2. Yeah. And then I saw Method Man and Red Man in Albany. And I also saw Ghostface at the, um, oh, what's that place in Syracuse called there? The... Um, over there on Westcott Street. Oh my God! Still... Anyway, but I saw him at a venue in Syracuse. But um, Wu Tang Clan, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter how many openers they have. Even when we're waiting after the last opener, they take forever to get on stage. And by Back. the time they get on stage, mm -hmm. it's like midnight. Oh my God! Every no lie. Every time I've seen Wu Tang, like I said, five times, they usually don't get on stage till past eleven, close to midnight, and it's just like oh. So when like. When you, when you pointed out how, like, you know, the, the fans are like, come on, we want to see Wu-Tang. They're throwing shit on stage at the yeah. openers. I didn't partake in that, but I witnessed that <laughs> first time. Like, Wu, they take forever to get on stage, and it drives all the people wild. But once the Wu gets on stage, it's nutty. It's like a metal show because then there, you, there's mosh pits, and there's everyone's got their arms up in the air, and everyone's shoving, and it's, oh, God, it's so much fun. Like, Wu Tang shows are the the best hip hop shows, man. I yeah, mean, that's facts, man. If if you're gonna man. be an opener for them, you you really gotta like first song come out the gate correct. You yep. know, like you gotta have something that's gonna slam. And and even then, it's like you could you could still see like the OGs in the crowd. You know, they just kind of you know just nodding their head just a little bit. Yeah. You know, they they ain't gonna jump out their shoes too crazy until Wu Tang come on and then they look like groupies. You know what I'm saying? But like for the openers, they gotta keep their cool, which I I respect that. That's a hip hop thing. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely feel you on that. Like, if you're going to come with something, you know, not too heavy and you open it for the Wu, it's, it's definitely going to be a problem for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I was just going to say, the um, the first time I saw Wu-Tang, this is what... So the first time I saw Wu-Tang, they, they opened... Do you, well, thank you, do you remember the festival? It was in... It was in um, unfortunately, they don't do it in May, Mark. Maybe you remember it too. It was called the uh, Rock the Bells Festival. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. That's mm -hmm. where I saw it. It was Rage Against the Machine, Wu-Tang Clan, The Roots, Public Enemy, Cypress Hill. Um, Mos Def was supposed to be there, but he he didn't show up. Uh, Erica yep. Badu was there. Um, but it was like the best hip-hop festival I've ever been in my life, and it was all old-school stuff that I grew up with. And, um, yeah, that was the first time I saw Wu, and then... And then I was fortunate enough to see Wu-Tang. The, the rest of the times I saw the Wu-Tang Clan was in a smaller venue instead of a festival. Yeah. Seeing them mm -hmm. in a smaller venue, it's just, it's a lot more uh, chaotic. I'll say that. Yeah, Rock the Bells is is probably one of the best shows ever. Um, I put it up there right with the Smokers Club tour. And um, I met some good homies actually through a connection of um, Rock the Bells. One of the features on my album is a homie from Virginia named Kane. And um, we were in a uh, competition back when they, the last year they did Rock the Bells. Um, I want to say it was like 2015. I think it was 2015 because the song I performed, I think it was from around that time. But um, we did a competition on the radio out here, local radio, WKYS. Um, and we ended up being the last, two of the last three contestants. And we were supposed to perform at Rock the Bells 
And then I think they ended up going bankrupt or something like that, and the festival got canceled, and that was it. We, they never saw it again. They always had their lineups were always like, like huge. Super man, they, I, they had crazy lineups, I and I met Supernatural it. through that too, it. yo. So, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Another thing I want to ask is, um, do you have any shows lined up yourself? Like, I know we've been going through a pandemic. Are you gonna be, uh, being, are you gonna be back on stage soon? Yeah, I'll definitely be. On, I'll be back on stage soon. Um, and I pride myself on the live show, man. I I do a lot of stuff. Um, I play with a live band for my shows live all, every time I've ever done it. Uh, visuals, lyrics, everything synced up. And like I said, it's all DIY. The beard is usually the only person that's helping me in these shows. He's usually running wow. the laptop in the back um, with the sound man and, and controlling the lights and controlling the visuals and doing things like that. Um, so I'm ready to get back on stage. I don't got nothing immediately lined up right now, but um, there's a, uh, a drummer out here from D.C. His name is Biscuit. He's one of the most famous drummers out here. He hit me up like two weeks ago, and he's just like, authentic, bro, like, are you feeling this energy? I'm like, what you talking about? He's like, I just I just played your album, bro. Like, are you feeling this energy? Because we got to get on stage like ASAP. So I went and chopped it up with him like two weeks ago. We kind of just like went over a couple things. He showed me a couple ideas he had. So I'd say um, I'm, I'm more like not a summer dude. I'm more like my, my sound just feels like the fall and like the winter. You know, it's kind of right. gritty. So I'll probably get back on stage, um, you know, around like sometime around fall or something like that, maybe around wintertime, do some stuff locally to start off with and, and then try to hit the road and do some more gigs. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, just like last week, uh, actually two weeks ago, we did our first um, show with a musical guest, like doing like a live performance and like hearing you talk about it and hearing how DIY you are not to put you on a spot or anything like that, but we would love for you to come back at some point and perform on, on the show if you would ever be down for that. We would totally, love, man. We would yeah, let's, let's definitely do that, man. I, awesome. I feel like I was so busy cooking up the album like during the pandemic that I didn't take advantage of like, you know, using the virtual platforms to really do performance stuff. Right. And I think that's a lane that a lot of artists really have not figured out. Like us podcasters and stuff like that, we figured this out during the pandemic. You know, you got a boom of people doing more visual content. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and just even DJs finding their lane, you know, with um, things like Twitch and stuff like that. But as far as artists, we really, really didn't find our lane in this, you know, and a lot of people didn't use that virtual lane and exploit it in a proper way. Um, right. I saw, oh, man, you know who I forgot to mention when we were talking about um, people who have inspired me is Royce the 5'9", who I think is probably the best oh, rapper yeah. on this planet right now. One of the most underrated um, MCs out there. Yeah, man. No question. And he, I saw he was doing some virtual stuff as well. So, you know, I didn't get a chance to really check out the concert, but it did seem like they had a real legit platform they were doing it with. But um, I'm, I want to tie in a lot of that with my next shows um, because, you know, how we set up the podcast here with me and the beard, it's all produced by us. We don't got nobody really helping us. Kind of like y'all, y'all handling y'all business over here. Obviously looking real great, quality, high, Thank all that. Thank and you. I want to take so that to the performance vibes, you know? <laughs> y'all y'all know what it is. Y'all know how difficult this is, man. You oh, know, yeah. just yeah, to absolutely. get, yo, you get everything lined up and you like, dang, man, like the, the sink is off or something. You yeah, know what I'm exactly. saying? Or the sounds I mean, ain't coming through that, right, like, you know? so it doesn't go down or like something goes wrong. Right. It's like I pray every day. Like, it's a, it's a lot of troubleshooting <laughs> that comes with this, man. And, um, yeah. you know, I want to take my live performance kind of to that and, and, and utilize this platform for that. Yeah. And, Honestly, with this last album, man, like a lot of people who supported this last album because the pandemic, I, didn't, I wasn't really able to get out and go see people 
it's a lot of New York Giants fans, man. It's a lot of people that was fans of Authentic and the Beard that showed up and showed out when I dropped the album and, and supported the album, man. And, and yeah, I, that's love, man. Giants Nation is always in the building. I got big love for everybody supporting New York Giants, man. So it's just a great community. Yeah, they are. And I'm glad that Giants Nation come, comes to our streams. And they, they comment on our videos so they know they know what's up. They they, they that Some Giants fans, even though they're sports fiends, they're nerds too. And, of course, you know, they, yeah. they keep up with our the movies we cover and, and they, you know they're always in the streams, you know, rapping Giants Nation. So it's a good feeling. We're the best damn football squad, you know, as far as the community goes, man. It's I appreciate Facts. the support. Uh, the hub was here. The hub has been on here twice already, and he always he That's always brings it. And he's com- he's coming back uh, in July as well. Like, yeah. And so so you're like the next on Giants community that's been you know supportive. So we appreciate that. Um, Hey, thank you all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like I said, we, like, just what Mark said, we did have uh, a live band perform, and I'll, we actually did, we did sound check, and it all, like, well, funny story, Mark, if you want to share, like, the first time we did sound check didn't go so well, but, <laughs> but then we did, then we did it again in a different manner, and it worked. So like I said, we, we kind of like, I wouldn't say we cracked the code, but we know that we're capable of doing a live performance here on Nerd Cage Live. So we should get together one of these nights. We'll figure it out. We can do, we'll, we, we'll do a sound check, you know, a day yeah. or two before and make sure. Sorry, and then we'll definitely have to have you perform by all means. Cause I, I can see definitely, man. That, that's my lane too, man. The sound yeah. is like. That's definitely my lane. The, um, the whole album, The Color of Us, is mixed and mastered, recorded in my own studio. I cut every one of those records myself. Um, yeah, so that that's my lane, man. I, I, I'm a when it comes to a nerd, like that's the nerd I am when it comes to that, like the mixing and mastering and the, and the details of what it sounds like. Yeah, man. What's your uh, what's yeah. your favorite song from the from the track? Like, what's I mean, what's your favorite track from the album so far? Um, I, I got a couple. Um. For me, it's one with a local artist named Kingpin Slim from here in D.C. It's called All or Nothing. And uh, that's kind of named after my studio in a way. Um, I like that one the most because sonically it hits the best for me. I just like the way the bass is. And the sample comes from a very like familiar sample that a lot of people already know um, from a record from New Birth. And it was a lot of people in the 90s actually used it. Um, there was a group in the, in the 90s that was an R&B group called Something About the People. Um, they sampled it, and a lot of people know the beginning of the record. Um, but I, I took, I went to the outro and I sampled a portion of it from the outro, and I used this software um, from Ozone called RX7 that mm-hmm. it allows you to remove certain instruments from a two-track recording. So oh, I was wow. able to lift the vocals out from it, sampled that. I put like a heavy, heavy sub bass behind it, um, like a gritty drum break. And me and my homie Kingpin Slim, we were like looking for a record at the time. We, were, we worked on like two or three records and like he was sending me some beats. I was sending him beats and I hit him up. I said, man, I think I got the one. I sent it to him and by the morning when I woke up, he had the verse already in my inbox, took that. And then I, I ended up writing my parts after it and um, kind of altered it just a little bit. Um, Cause I'm, I'm being that I'm like the guy who's mixing and recording the album. I can always go right. back in and go, hey, let me like switch that word up a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So the chorus, the way the chorus went, um, I felt like it wasn't universal enough. You know, it was only speaking to people of my color. And right. being the album was the color of us, I wanted people to be able to chant this song with us a certain way. So I went back and I altered it. And um, there's some lines in there. It's like, uh, it's like, what about all my kings? What about all my bros? And what about all my queens? You know, it's like, just that one is an uplifting record. And even though I'm talking about like OGs 
female and male not leading the way for us, you know, it's still like, hey, what about us? We we deserve, you know, a little bit of like help to get to where we need to go. And and I think the message and just sonically what it sounds like, that's one of my favorites. And um, I'd say a runner up on it would be, oh, the, the record with my homie Chaz French. And, and I got a good story about Chaz French, but um, so that's, can I curse on here? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, you can. Okay, so the, the, the chorus on that one just, it says like no bullshit like four times in a row, right? And we called the song Phil Jackson. I, w- I just like having a little bit of depth to the name. So we called it Phil Jackson. And Chaz French is an artist also from D.C. who I met when I was in California that last time when I was with my girl, I believe, or it was the time before that. And I'd heard his first album. He had an album called Happy Belated, and he signed a deal with uh, Motown. Um, it was Umbrella by Motown, but it was with Universal. Mm-hmm. And we were in L.A. They had an Airbnb over there with like a small recording setup. And my homie, who's a DJ from the city, was his DJ on that tour. And he's like, just come out here, man, and, and come hang out with us for the day. So I'm just sitting there. And I guess he finally told him, like, yeah, that's authentic. And he he can engineer. So the homie Chaz, I'm outside. I'm, like, smoking a blunt or something. Man, and, and Chaz comes out. And he's like, who's authentic? I'm like, me. He's like, you know how to work this shit over here? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> man. Like, all day. That's what I do. He's like, man, let's work, man. So I go in there with him. We cut, like, four records. And when we were done, he just loved the vibe. He was like, yo, when I get back to D.C., I just moved to D.C. So this, yeah, this was probably like 2015, actually. And I just moved to D.C. I was just setting up the studio and stuff. He was like, when I get back, I'm going to record the whole album with you. So I'm just like, whatever. You know, I've, I've heard stories like this before. Somebody say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I paid it, no mind for real. Like three weeks later, he hit me up. He's like, yo, I'm back in town. You ready to work? I'm like, yeah, let's go. So we work on this album for him, which was called um, True Colors. And great album. I, I suggest everybody go check that out. Motown put that album out. It's Chaz French, True Colors. And while we were working on that album, I saw you had the Spider-Man cup over there. That's what reminded me about yeah. this uh, this story. Um, he got a call while we were in the studio, while we were working on something else that was like, yo, we want you to do a, a test run for a theme that we have in mind for Spider-Man uh, Enter the Spideyverse, the one oh, that was wow. an animated one. So... If you hear the theme that's from that song, it's called, um, or the theme that's from that movie, the main trailer, it's called They mm-hmm. Can't Stop Us Now. That was cut in my basement at my studio. What? And I remember going to see Jurassic World, right? Me and my girl went to go see the Jurassic World. I don't know if it was the first or the second one at that time. And and Chaz told me, like, yo, they picked it up, bro. They picked it up. And I'm just like, like, I got goosebumps right now thinking about it. He's like, yeah. they picked it up, man. They picked it up. I'm like, all right, bet, man. So, like, I, I kind of forgot about it, even though he told me. And we went to go see Jurassic World. And I see the trailer pop on, and I'm just like looking around, like, wow, yo, this is crazy. We cut this in my basement at like four in the morning, wasted, like at the end of the night. And I remember his manager just being like, you got to get this one done. We got to get this one done before the morning. So they got it in their inbox by the morning. And yeah, man, I, I, I thank Chaz for that one every time because it was just, it's one of the most amazing moments I've ever had, even though I'm not rapping on the record, just to know that they like took our mix, they used his vocals and his song for that trailer of something that like I've been invested in since I was a kid. I used to watch the Spider-Man cartoon in the yeah. 90s that came on after yes. school, you know, and to see yeah, that, yep, it was so major for me, bro. Man, that's and that's awesome. If if I'm if I'm thinking of the right song, then man, that, that was one of the songs that like got me hyped to watch the movie in the first place. Is it's it the scene epic. where where Miles like kind of just like lets himself fall fall yep. off the building? Yep. Yep. Oh man, that's I it. love that track. That's it. I love that song, man. Yeah, man, I love it. And the version that they so it it when we first made the beat for it, it had a sample on it, and they didn't clear the sample. 
And so they went back in and they kind of like reworked it and replayed it and did some things to so that they didn't have to clear the sample. So the first trailer has the best version. The first trailer has the one that like it was verbatim what we recorded in my basement. Right. And the second wow. one is still really dope, but I feel like it, it just didn't have that hypeness to it, you know? Right. But it's like, um, it, it starts off with a lyric. He's like, I knew my day would come, and you see him falling down. It's raining and whatnot. You can hear the right. thunder and the music, man. I like, I like I said, man, I get goosebumps thinking about it right now, man. It was an epic moment for real. That's awesome. Well, That's pretty quick awesome. segue there. Uh, we have a question in the chat here from uh, Ian. He's, he's wanted to ask you if you're uh, DC or Marvel. Oh, I'm Marvel, you know, um... Strictly off the fact of like my bro was just big into the Wolverine comics and, and stuff like that back in the day. And I, I think Marvel has put out some some really good movies. I, I think they watered down all those movies just a little bit now because they kind of got to, you know, they're very they, they got to be able to market and promote it to children yeah. as well. And right. to the people who are part of the cult like following that have been following it for years. Um, but I'm Marvel, man. Um, that Logan, that that first the, the Wolverine solo film, I thought that was just like epic. I love yeah, the whole first Spider-Man series with Toby and him. I thought those were fire. Uh, the first couple X-Men's were really fire. As of late, I really haven't been caught up on most of the stuff going on in either side of it. Um, but I, I think they make great films. And the stories, man, where are they getting these stories from, from back in the day, from these comic books? These are just like legendary stories that might live right. forever, for real. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you ever... Um I don't know if you have Disney Plus or not, but yeah. like a lot of the Marvel TV shows that are on Disney Plus are epic. And like, if you haven't checked them out, I highly recommend them, particularly uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay. Where, yeah, where it's, it, uh, I don't know how much you know about like uh, Falcon from the comics, but eventually he becomes Captain America. Yep. This kind of tells that story. And so um, there's that. And then the Loki series just dropped where it's kind of um, a variant of Loki who's like working for the time variant associate uh, authority or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, they have some really good shows that you should probably check out, man. Yeah. I'm going to definitely do that. I, I need some new content to start watching here too, man. The, the pandemic kind of slowed down the film industry a good bit there. Um, and you know, not, not a lot of films been coming out. So I'm, I'm eager to get back to watch some stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to binge that on Disney plus here in the next couple of days for real. And you know, Mark kind of already gave you some uh, shows to check out. I, I'll, I got a couple of my own I want to recommend to you. Um, if you have yeah. Amazon Prime, yep. The Boys. The Boys. Yes. Oh, I ain't heard of that one. Okay, it's it's a satire on the superhero genre. It's and it's um, uber violent, uh, very vulgar, but it is a great. It's great. I'll leave it at that. And there's another show. It's an animated show on Amazon Prime called Invincible. Uh, Invincible. Okay. Those are, they're, they're is both it the boys shows. like T H E or is it the boys? Uh, B O Y. Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> got you. Yeah, yeah it's got that's it's just got a great cast too, like uh, Carl Urban's <laughs> in it. Um, uh, uh, Dennis Quaid's sons in the show. It's it's oh, it's fantastic. Oh, that's what's up. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I'll check that out for sure, man. I'm I'm always looking for good content, especially coming from like that background of cinematography, man. I just I love seeing good film, good films and good shows, man. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's getting. Uh, it's here. It's after nine o'clock already. But uh, before we go, one last thing. So uh, we were talking off here a little bit. Uh, you know, tell some of your favorite, like your favorite movies. I met you. I'm, you mentioned uh, you're a huge Matrix guy. So we want to go ahead and just run through some of your favorite. Yeah. Movies the 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 Matrix for me is the top film. Like the Matrix to me is like Tupac for rap. You know, it's like you could be digging about that story forever. 
And, right. you know, the one thing that really intrigued me about The Matrix 2 after watching the, the, the flicks and whatnot, the third one was garbage. We all know that. The third one was just, I don't know what they were trying to do with that. But, um, you know, it was uh, Cynthia Stewart who was having the battle of the, the um, ownership of the story that was written. And um, she's supposedly the oracle in the film and whatnot. I've seen a bunch of interviews with her, and I just like the depths of that film, man. You know, I can remember going into the theaters when that movie first came out, and, like, I kind of walked in right just a little late, and, like, Trinity's just, like, flying on the roofs, going crazy, just murdering all these agents and whatnot. And just the... um, you know, like the, the thought process of a film like that, you really got to let go, you know, to, to feel that, to be like, okay, we are in a simulated world. And it, it kind of can relate back to our lives in a way too, you know, even though we know we're not in a simulated world, at least we think we're not, you know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just really cool to think like that, you know, and like if you go left when you should have went right, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, if we could do this for our happiness or if we could do this for humanity, you know, and I thought that Neil was just such a like, powerful character with that you know that he he took the side of humanity when it when it came time to choose between the two pills i thought it was really dope and i and i like the second flick a lot but the first one just the introduction of that story was amazing to me um and yeah. i was telling this to y'all too like i thought that uh eternal sunshine and spotless mind like a lot of people might not even know about that film but that film to me is just like one of the best that storyline of just like erasing trying to erase you know this woman uh, from his past and like redo it was really cool uh, which is why I also really like Vanilla Sky. Um, one I didn't mention to y'all too off air, um, and I think y'all should be hip to this one was uh, Memento. Like, oh yeah, incredible movies, man. Yeah, you know I, I like those those movies that kind of just like play with my mind and kind of just like make you really just get to thinking. Um, and and I was telling y'all this too that I'm a big fan of the Jordan Peele series of, of films as well. You know, with Get Out and with Us. And on Amazon Prime, I just saw that series called Them. I recommend that for everybody that, you know, it's about uh, the first black family to move to um, a neighborhood in California that was uh, that was still segregated. And it's just really just shot well, man. A lot of Dutch angles in it, you know, to give that horror kind of vibe, diagonal lines in it and whatnot. Um, and and the, the characters in the film play the roles really well. Uh, let me think what else is on here. Um I'm also like a big fan of comedy stuff too, you know, outside of that too, man. Like, you know, coming to America, half baked. Classic. Um, Did you, you know, see the I'm, second I'm, one? The oh. second uh, Coming to America? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was dope, man. A lot of people gave that movie junk, you know, and they, they, they thought it was trash, it. but I thought it was good. Like, what, what else? It's, it's not going to be the first film. Yeah, you know? that's, I think right, that's right. it. I love the first one so much that I think I'm one of those people. Like, I think I love the first one so much that it just. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could have did more with the storyline, you know, I, I definitely feel that, but it was almost like a, you know, it was like, okay, we had a family reunion, right, and it was fire, yeah. and then 10 years later, we did it again, and everybody's old, you really just needed to see everybody again, um, and the one dude that was missing from it that I was, like, really looking out for um, was my homie, the Soul Glow homie, you know, yeah, I forget the uh, homie's Eric name in the first one. Yeah. yeah, he he declined to do it, man, I thought he would have been a good touch, but I bet you they was kind of trying to clown him off the the fro, you know, the dripping fro right. and all that. And he was probably like, I'm not going for that. But um, I liked the cameos. I thought Michael Blackson was really dope in that. And um, Wesley Snipes, man, he stole the show that's in that. That was really say, cool. Wesley, yeah. that's a, that's he was the best part of that movie. Side of Wesley yeah. Snipes we don't see off his, his goofy side, you know. Yeah. Uh, what are yeah. there uh, comedies that uh, you're into? Uh, let me think. Um, comedies, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm missing right now. I don't know. I can't pull nothing right now for some reason. But, um. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a fan of stand up as well, but um, yeah. late lately I just like, 
I feel like the film industry is kind of like taking a step back as far as comedies go, and they all kind of mm -hmm. look the same. Like they, you know, they throw Kevin Hart in the movie, and it's like the same movie every time. Yeah. You know, he's the same character and yeah. whatnot. Um, but I, I'm looking to, you know, get into some new comedies, and hopefully, like when theaters start to open back up, I hope y'all got a little bit of stock in uh, AMC too. Yes, you know, that's, I. That's, oh yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm so glad I did. Just saying. Yeah. No one needs to know my financial business, but yes, I did. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, check, I check my uh, stash uh, app, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of crazy right now. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, with the boom of that, and they're trying to get people back into the theaters, that we'll, we'll get some better flicks. Um, recently, I just saw that uh, the, the new Mortal Kombat film, which I, I thought was all right, you know, kind of rushed, kind of like what you were saying off air. Like, it was so much they was trying to pack into that quick hour right. and a half, two hours. It's like you, yeah. you get to meet one character, and then five minutes later, he's dead, you know? So I'm looking forward to just seeing some more new flicks when I, uh, you know, once the world completely opens back up and whatnot. Okay. Um, I was gonna say I, I got a couple uh, movie recommendations. Um, so um, two of my favorite movies of twenty. I'll say some new ones. My two favorite yeah. movies of twenty twenty one. Um, Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. Um, okay. Basically, I don't know if you're a fan of like the middle aged man action flick, kind of like The Expendables and John yeah. Wick. Taken. Uh, Taken was one of my... <laughs> yes, that same thing. Taken and uh, what's the other one uh, with Denzel there? Um, Equalizer. It's the just Equalizer, like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like that, but with Bob Odenkirk. And okay. the RZA is in it. Oh, that's what's up. Okay, I'll leave yeah, it at that. I don't want to ruin anything else. <laughs> but the RZA and Bob Odenkirk, enough said. Um, yeah, another great movie that blew my socks off. If Titan Goji's in the chat, he can back me up on this. Uh, there's a Guy Ritchie movie out there. It's in theaters right now called Wrath of Man with Jason Statham and Scott Eastwood, yeah. Clint Eastwood's son. Ooh. I saw something about that. Okay. That movie. Ooh. It's it's a slow burn, but yeah. stick with it. My God. it's Yeah, so Wrath of Man and Nobody are my two favorite movies of 2021. I'll definitely make sure to check those out. Um, yeah. I saw the I saw the preview for the one with Jason Statham and I was oh, like, is this going to be another the, the transporter vibe or what? Justice. You know, the previews that's don't what's do up. Justice. And yeah, listen, I'm I know peep. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. He's not the greatest of actors, but Guy Ritchie kind of knew how to direct him because you know he didn't really talk a lot in the movie. So yeah. it, Scott East was really the real MVP of the movie, but. Guy Ritchie did a good job, like knowing what Jason Statham's good at and what he's not good at. And yeah, well, they have a long history together. I mean, he was yeah. in Snatch and he was in uh, Lockstock, oh, Smoke was and Barrels. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a Guy Ritchie fan. Like, yeah. he's one of my favorite directors, and that's kind of how I got put on to Jason Statham was through his movies. So it makes perfect sense to me that he would shine in a Guy Ritchie movie yeah. because they've. They've been working together for close to 20 years now, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I'll definitely make sure to peep those, yo. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you got anything to recommend uh, Authentic? Like, any other uh, movies or TV shows that... Well, I mean, as far as 2021 goes, I mean, they're, in my opinion, as far as the movies that I have seen, and I'm, I'm far more critical than, than Jay is and than a lot of people, <laughs> it's facts, but like really the only 2021 movie that I have seen that I have like loved and like can't uh, say enough good things about is uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, I just I think that, that was, 
man, that was like one of the one of the greatest films I've seen in several years. And that one is about uh, Fred Hampton, who was the he was the chairman of the Black Panther Party in Chicago in the yeah. late 60s. And, you know, I'm just saying this for anybody who doesn't know. Um, and it's just basically about a mole that is basically forced in, you know, forced to, uh, you know, a guy who's basically forced to be a mole within the Black Panther organization for the FBI so that they can get intel on what the Panthers are doing and what this guy's having to do and what what it does to him mentally. I mean, it's, I mean, outstanding performances from Lakeith Stanfield, if you know who that is, and um, Daniel Kaluuya, who just won an Academy Award for for his performance as Fred Hampton. I mean, it's just, to me, that is that is the movie of 2021. And I think I can say that even without seeing the rest of the rest of the movies that have yeah. come out so far this year. That's what's up. Y'all y'all got me lined HBO up Max. for the night for sure. If you have HBO Max, it's on there for free. Yeah. Okay. That's what's up. All right. Uh man, authentic dude. This has been an absolute freaking blast. There's yeah, so that flew much by, more, bro. There's so much more <laughs> I want to talk about, but you know what? We got to leave the audience wanting more. So that Facts. being said, we'd love to have you back. Now to discuss more movies, TV shows and music with us. But we also yes, we, got, we also need to do a live you know live perform you gotta do a live performance for everyone too. Yeah, let's let's line it up, man. Let's get it going. Uh, definitely before that football season, we got a lot of time to burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got, got some open slots in days. July. We have July. We have a couple days in July open, and August is pretty much wide open, so we can. That's we, what's we up, man. Of... Just reach out to me. I got you, man. Yeah, I yeah, definitely absolutely. appreciate y'all letting me pull up. All right. So before we go, authentic, uh, go ahead and plug yourself in. Where can people find you? You know your 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 channel, your music channel, and your um, YouTube channel. If you want to just go ahead and plug yourself in, just give everyone a quick, uh, you know, roundabout what you do. Definitely, man. So um, as far as the music goes, you can find um, all my music on all streaming platforms. Uh, I spell authentic. I'm actually jumping to the chat one time right here and just say what up, so y'all can see how I spell the name. It's, it's um, in the, on the screen. Everyone can see it. A, a- W-T-A-G-N-T-I-K. It's on the screen. Yep, so you can just search that. I'm that on all social media platforms as well. I'm that on Twitter. I'm that on Facebook. I'm that on Instagram. Um, also, don't forget to check us out when the football season does get back going. Authentic and the beard. Uh, that's my homie, Tim, who he also has a uh, reseller channel. He's a, a vintage uh, items collector as well. So if oh, you're wow. looking for like some old school like football gear or old school movie gear, he definitely always has his hands on a lot of stuff like that. Um, the channel's called Over the Years as well. And um, our channel, Authentic in the Beer, we do shows on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then Saturday we do the fantasy football show like you were talking about. So when it comes to the streaming stuff, we some we some busy folks, man. Um, and yeah, just, just stay plugged in, man. And whatever y'all got going, you know, just reach out to me. I'm a real humble dude, man. I'm always down to help support the community of people that's doing the same thing we're doing. So yeah, don't be scared to reach out to me, man. I'm definitely down to help whoever. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark, I know you got some stuff you want to plug in. I mean, we just got some videos released this week, so go ahead and plug. plug. We got stuff coming. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had a very uh, busy week, actually very busy couple weeks, and we've, we've been dropping content left and right. Jay, you just did this uh, Top Zelda Games uh, video, which is fantastic. Very long uh, video, but lots of lots of good uh, content in there. Very a lot of fun. Uh, last night we just dropped our look back episode on the 25th anniversary of The Rock, which was done by request. You guys asked for this one. We dropped it for you. Yeah, so let's we get 100 views on that, it. people. Y'all yeah, asked we for need it. to get some views on it. 
yeah. So right now we're working on uh, we uh, a couple weeks ago we dropped a um, we didn't drop we recorded an episode on Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we're editing that, working on that now. That should be coming out in a few days, and uh, coming soon we're going to be uh, talking about the 50th anniversary of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So that ought to be a fun one. Uh, we got lots of new content coming out after that. So yeah, just stick around. Excellent. I got a couple of things going to plug real quick. So uh, June's been an exciting month. So every- thanks for everyone who supported us. You know, The Hub, Authentic. Next week, we have two streams next week. Tuesday, me and Joe, our moderator from Fallen 1 Gaming, we're going to react to E3. Everything that's happening at E3, we're going to react to it. And we're going to talk everything E3 Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. So be there. If you want to talk video games in E3, be here 8 o'clock Tuesday. And then Thursday, Pulp Fiction Watch Party with the Real Talk oh. Podcast. Cannot wait. Pulp Fiction's not only one of my favorite movies, but one of Mark's favorite movies, too. So Yeah, man, that's, a, that's a favorite of mine, too, fam. Yes. <laughs> so, so watch along with us. We're going to be you know cracking jokes, talking about our perspective of the movie and have fun. And the guys from Real Talk, they are something else. Please check out their podcast. It's Real R-E-E-L Talk. Uh, movie podcast we're excited to have them back on on thursday so tuesday e3 stream thursday will be the pulp fiction watch party and then the following thursday anthony marquez the original kung lao from mortal kombat 2 is coming back on nerd cage and he wants to talk some godzilla mcu and ufc so we cannot wait to chop it up once again with anthony marquez the og kung lao so thank you to everybody who's been supporting Nerd Cage Live. Thank you to uh, to Authentic and, of course, Giants Nation, who's been coming in full force. And we, listen, we read the comments. We try to respond to every comment as much as often as we can. So thank you to all the support. Thank you who come, who come to the streams and, of course, support our content. So that being said, um, stick around if you want to see, you know, our upcoming uh, streams we have coming up here. But we ask you to pretty please like, comment, subscribe, Ring that bell and spread that shit like syphilis. So USA, from Louisville to Washington, D.C., to Syracuse, New York, and to all of our friends and fans around the world at Nerd Cage Live and Authentic, enjoy life, stay safe, and good night. Sayonara. Peace. Does he look like a bitch? Mark, can you believe we are closing in on our one year anniversary? Man, it feels like it was literally a week ago when we started this thing. So that being said, we're gonna do a watch party for one of my favorite movies, Pulp Fiction. And who better to do that with than our friends at Real Talk, a movie podcast. So joining us is gonna be Gabe Conway, Wesley Jones, and Tommy Wood. Be there, honey bunny. Thursday, June 17th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 Central. Finish him. <laughs> Kung Lao wins fatality. <laughs> Flawless victory.
die. Yes, this is Jay Saint G here, and yes, we are excited to welcome back Anthony Marquez, the original Kung Lao. Be sure to pick up his book, Kung Fu Rockstar. Links in the description below. Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell. Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! <laughs> Ha 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 ha!